0: Welcome to another episode of the Light Bulb Factory, conversation centered on the church becoming the light of the world. We are back today with another discussion episode. We started a series last time on the practices of Jesus, and we are diving into a different one each week. Uh, today, our conversation is on silence and solitude, and I've got a couple of guests with me. So, hey guys, would you uh, just go ahead and introduce yourself?
1: Hi, my name is Clay Dominey. I'm a junior at Baylor studying philosophy.
2: Hi, I'm Mary Liz. I am a senior at Baylor. I am a university scholar and I study biology and medical humanities.
0: Awesome. I'm glad to have you guys on today. So Clay and Mary Liz are both uh, some of our leaders here in the college ministry. Would you tell everybody just what you do kind of with your gathering in the week?
1: Sure. I co-lead with Mary Hagan, a service project on Thursdays, We pack and deliver foods to families in need around the Waco area, really close to the church. Um, These families have students in Bells Hill Elementary School, which is a school that the church has partnered with in the past. Um, And with the COVID-19 pandemic, it's been harder for the school to be able to get these families food for the weekend. And that's where we've been able to step in and provide food. So every Thursday, we'll go out into the community and visit these families and uh, deliver groceries to them. Awesome. Love it.
2: Yeah, and then um, I co-lead Bible study every Wednesday with Jack Young, um, which is super, super fun, Um, and so we just kind of pick a passage every week from the daily Bible reading that we're doing together as a college ministry, and um, talk about the passage and how we can apply it to our lives, and just kind of grow together in that way.
0: Cool, and you guys have done, like, Exodus this semester, and uh, about to dive into John, I think, is that right? really exciting. I think
2: we're going to do John chapter one this week.
0: Okay, mm-hmm. awesome. That's great. Well, y'all uh looking forward to this this uh this talk on silence and solitude. I think where this all started for us is going back a few months to this past summer. Uh we're all at home and we're all quarantined and we're all uh you know that summer everybody can't wait to get back to school and just get out of the house. And we went through a book together uh that we talked about over several Zoom meetings, just kind of piece by piece as we worked through it uh by John Mark Comer called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry and um we uh, that, that book sort of introduced several different like spiritual practices in the book. And one of them was silence and solitude. And, uh, we had some good conversations about it. And, um, I know that a lot of people in our college ministry have been trying to practice it more often since that point in time, cause we were kind of moved by, uh, by that. So, uh, I guess where I want to start off with you guys is just what's, what's your history with silence and solitude. Like, had you heard of it before you read the book? Had you tried it before? Is it more of a recent thing? Uh, just kind of track me through what this has been like for you.
1: So I uh, had heard of solitude as a discipline prior to reading the book, and it was something that I'd I'd picked up every now and then that it seemed kind of neat, but it never really, um, I never really thought or gave it much thought about why it mattered up until uh, I mean, for years until I read the book. Um, and reading John Mark Comer's book, I read that at a time in my life where I really needed the kind of. Um, Discipline that comes from the spiritual disciplines, kind of peace that comes from them. You know, with COVID nineteen pandemic and staying at home with my parents for another five months that I wasn't anticipating, and it was at that point when I read um, his chapter on sounds and solitude. He it portrayed a peace that was lacking in my life, that I the peace that God has readily at hand, and it was something that I wanted to live into and experience. And it's um, and since that day, I began practicing silence and solitude every morning or if, I mean, I miss a day every now and then, but, um, I'll spend, I try and spend at least, you know, 20 or 30 minutes just sitting in God's presence, finding peace and rest there.
0: Cool. That's awesome. So it sounds like, uh, Comer reading this chapter was sort of big for you as a turning point in experimenting and taking it on more, more often. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Cool. That sounds good. We'll, we'll be able to dig into, I think this, some of the specifics of that a little bit later. Uh, what about you for you, Mary Liz?
2: Um, I also, I feel like just the faith tradition that I grew up in was more like focused on doctrine and not a lot on like practice and like formation and kind of those sort of spiritual disciplines. And so definitely, I think the first time that I had really been struck by the idea of practicing silence, um, as like a way of life that would like form me, was definitely when we read, um, the John Mark Comer book together. Um, I, I don't know that I've been as committed to it as I as I would have hoped to have been, um, but it is something that I try to incorporate kind of into my daily like time with God. And so usually, th- what it looks like for me is I'll just take five minutes kind of after I read scripture and pray um, to kind of sit and reflect um, and open myself up to see if God has anything to say to me.
0: That's awesome. I mm-hmm. love that. That's a really good tangible practice. Well, I think uh, we've, we've driven like all the way down the highway. Maybe we ought to back up a little bit and just kind of give an overview of silence and solitude uh, for those that are less familiar with it. And so uh, let's talk a little bit about like, you know, why do silence and solitude, like, what is the purpose of it? Like what, why do we really need it? Um, How have you guys thought about that um, as you've, as you've done this practice? What's the purpose?
2: I think for me, um, a lot of the benefit that I've seen is just like awakening myself, like awakening my soul, even just myself, um, but also to God. um, And just finding a place to stop in like the noise and the busyness and the distraction um, and just like rooting myself in like that silence and making a space where I can, I can hear from God. um, Right. So we do that in imitation of Jesus, right. Because he would find um, time to be alone. And so I think just, in imitation of that, um, I've really seen the benefit of um, just being aware of, like, what is going on inside me.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's good. Interior examination. Mm -hmm. Uh, Something that I didn't hear a lot about growing up in the church, but in the past few years, like, I've really found there's so much worth in, like, you know, kind of being more aware of the thoughts and feelings going inside inside of me, and what, how God is intersecting and moving and leading me just by becoming aware of of what's going on in the inside. That's good, Mm yeah.
1: Um, Absolutely, kind of on uh, that same note, for me, silence and solitude has been incredibly important just because it's, I mentioned earlier, it offers peace and rest that I have not been able to find anywhere else, kind of in the hustle and bustle of today's world. And not to mention the added and just unspoken anxiety that a lot of us face with political tensions, a pandemic, um, the anxiety of everyday life. A lot of us have this, this want to just sit and rest and have space to breathe. And I think for me, that's where silence and solitude comes in as a place where it's just me and God and God's telling me he's got it under control. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we're reminding that ourselves that we don't, our own energy and strategy and creativity don't run the world, you know, but there's a, there's a different higher power that does instead. You know, t- today we, uh, in college group, some of the discussion around this was on just our culture and kind of the way that it trains and forms us to be busy and distracted and you know, do more and more and more. Uh, and maybe we don't always feel permission to like take the time to pause and to rest and just to be still with God. Uh, I think one person even said today that that when they do stop, they actually feel guilty, like they're doing something wrong. Uh, wh- why? Why do you guys think that is? Like, is there? Um, why is it that? Why is it that we feel this need to like just keep going and going and going in our world? Is that? Uh, what does that tell us about our culture and like how you know and what we're fighting against? Do you have any thoughts?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I think that's definitely something that I have experienced a lot in college. I don't know if y'all are familiar with like a when to meet. Yes. Yeah, like yeah. the
0: app that helps you schedule like yes. people's calendars.
2: Yeah. yeah, and so basically you go in and you, you write out like the times that you're free and the times that you're uh, busy. And other people can come in and see like those times that you've put in and kind of compare so you can find a time to meet. And sometimes I feel guilty when I fill out a when to meet and it looks like I have too much free time. Like I almost feel ashamed yeah. that I'm going to be judged because I'm not like filling up my time. Um, And I think that just kind of speaks to the way that our culture, like, tells us that we find our value in our work. And so we're always pressured to be producing and um, being efficient. um, And our value is really in what we're doing. And so if we're not doing anything, then we're not, we feel like we're not valuable.
1: I think, uh, going off the same vein, you mentioned our our society always once tells us that we need to be producing. I think our society also tells us that we always need to be consuming mm. something, uh, whether that's um, information, it's uh, products, it's something. Entertainment. Entertainment, right. exactly. Yeah. I um, Netflix's CEO, when asked who his biggest competitor was, candidly answered, well, sleep is our <laughs> biggest competitor. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so... And we're constantly in our lives, feeding different distractions available to us where we never have time. We're never given the opportunity to stop and just be for a moment. It's, yeah. what's the next, it's, um, I think John Mark Comer in his book said that um, sitting in line, if we ever get bored, boredom doesn't exist anymore because we have an instant dopamine dispenser mm. in our pocket. Mm. Yeah. We never, We never have time to sit.
0: Yeah, I can't remember the last time I was bored, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's because there's a room full of people that are sitting around and they're calculating how to they're calculating how to grab more of your attention. They want a bigger slice of, of the pie, you know. And uh, because it, it leads to more money on, on their end, you know, just right. bluntly, you know. And so uh, we when we actually try to carve out space in our schedule. When we we flip the script and we say, no, I'm not gonna feel less of myself because I have lots of room on my wind to meet, I'm actually gonna feel proud of myself, mm-hmm. you know, which is very kind of countercultural, uh, then we are running against the grain of society. We're doing the very thing that our culture does not want us to do because it's gonna restrict, you know, our usefulness to the, you know, just the ongoing machine that is our world of uh, production, consumption. And, uh, and yet Jesus models for us a different way of doing things. Um, you know, as Mary Liz said earlier, he he steps away from the crowds. He goes to the quiet places early in the morning, in the evening. He finds uh, a place to connect with his Father. And uh, that's what we want to talk about um, here today. So uh, what what has, has silence and solitude been like for you? And, uh, and what, I, what I really would love to know here is like, let's start with you, Clay. So you mentioned 20, 30 minutes a day. Um, so can you kind of walk me through, like, what do you actually do? Like, okay. Morning, correct? Yes. So morning. you wake up, uh, take us through what that looks like for you.
1: Yeah. So I like to do silence and solitude in the morning, usually right after I wake up, because it's a good, I think it's a good thing to start my day from a good, um, every action I do flows from the place I start in the morning, which would, for me would be silence and solitude. And when I first started this, I'm like, okay, great. Yes. I want to be alone in, in silence. I want to just be alone with God. And then I sat down and I'm like, okay, so what am I actually going to do for the next mm. however many minutes? And how long is this, how long is this thing supposed to be anyway? Um, and figuring that out was hard, but I mentioned I had some experience just learning from other people prior to this. Uh, there was something called contemplative prayer or a mm. centering prayer where you slowly just let go and release um, all the muscles in your body. Try not to be, remove all the tension from your body. Cause prayer can be physical as well as mental or spiritual. Um, and you pick a word and you focus on your breathing as you do this. For me, that word is father. I breathe in and I breathe out and I say father. And it's, it's really simple, but it's really helpful. It. Uh, we talked in, this, in the this college service about internal silence. It's a great way to find internal silence. Um, having that word just draw you back because I'll, I'll be sitting there and I'll be thinking about, even if I they're totally quiet around me, I'll be thinking, well, what's the latest distraction? And for me, that's WandaVision or any Marvel TV show. My mind will start thinking about <laughs> that like, man, what a crazy finale. <laughs> um, and then as I'm breathing out, I'll say, Father. And I'm like, oh, wait, yeah, I'm praying right now. Back to that. And it just kind yeah. of draws me back to that relationship with God is being there with him.
0: Yeah. That's great. So for you, is it, uh, is, are you doing more talking? Are you doing more listening? Or are you just trying to just like h- help people kind of think through those categories? Like, what is it, what are you doing? Or are you doing anything? Like, what does that look like?
1: Um, so I try not to talk. I try not, uh, to be a monologue where I'm offering up to God. Obviously if I have a prayer request, I'll bring it to him cause it's a space where I right. feel comfortable talking to God. Um, but I I try to leave room, it's gonna sound strange, but I try to leave room for him to speak back, and obviously yeah. that looks like it's a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, it's I think it falls in that third category of I'm not doing anything, uh, necessarily. I'm listening, I'm speaking, but it's also I'm just existing in God's presence, which is, yeah. it took a long time for me to get, realize, Like I'm not gonna have a vision every time I sit down for silence and solitude or I'm not going to start levitating or anything like that, but (laughs) I am, yeah, I (laughs) I wish, right? Um, If you do, try to get that on camera. Let us know. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) But um, it's just simply sitting, resting, and existing with God.
0: Yeah. And that what I hear there is the truth you're immersing yourself in is I am enough simply because I exist. I don't need to produce something. I don't need to, you know, accomplish something in order to get my worth. Like just because I exist, like I'm a child of God, mm-hmm. and I'm enough, right? Exactly,
1: 100. Yeah. percent
0: Yeah. The okay, you bring up this idea of, uh, you know, hearing God speak. You know, mm-hmm. and that's always an interesting topic. You know, one that we can get tripped up over a lot. Um, have you guys had like any? I don't know, like what what's is there something that's hard for you about that concept? I have my own history with it myself, but is it is it is there any way that that's hard for you or any breakthroughs that you've you know come to in terms of like how to quote hear God speak because it's not a voice, right? Um, So what what does that look like? How do we know if God is speaking to us?
2: Yeah, I think that is a really important question and definitely something that's been really hard for me. Um, that was just, like, not the, the tradition that I grew up with. Um, and so when I came to college and I started hearing people talk about hearing God speak to them, that sounded super weird to me, and that was something that I definitely had to to get used to. Um, and so I think for me, um, when I first started this practice, I was really stressed because I, I would worry about, like, is this really God saying something, or is this just, like, me, like, coming up with things in my mind? Right. Um, and so I think maybe something that's helped me is just not putting so much pressure on like trying to discern like which thoughts come from God and which thoughts are for me. Um, and just kind of like accepting the things that come into my mind and like seeing, you know, do these line up with scripture? Like, are these good things to do? Um, so like sometimes when I have my moment of solitude, I'll think about, um, like people that I should reach out to, um, or things like that. And so I think that removing that pressure of trying to like dissect every thought that I have, makes it a lot more like peaceful um and I'm like a lot more open to to hearing whatever there is
0: yeah and what I hear you saying is that like some of the things that you might hear seem consistent with God and who he is his right. character his word right uh you know the idea, the prompting that to reach out to somebody seems consistent with who God is right. if you if you're kind of drowning in a particular on a particular day with like you know insecurity or you know loneliness or you know you know who you are as a person you know like and you you feel like kind of the love of God pours into, into you through a, through silence of, like, no, you are enough, you are loved, you know, like, that seems consistent with who God is, you know, and mm-hmm. so we don't have to dissect all the, you know, and categorize all the mm-hmm. voices in certain boxes, like, um, just it's some level of risk and experimentation, but, uh, but I think this acquired skill, it, it really is a skill, but when we, when we get down to it, um, we find that, that God has things he wants to say to us, and silence and solitude is really the way we create space for those those things to happen. Um, you know, Mary Liz, I was thinking the other day about how uh, this may surprise you, but the uh, early early this school year, you said something that really stuck out to me when talking about silence and solitude. You, you kind of, in passing, mentioned just having the posture of, and you used the phrase, uh, Lord, what do you have for me? And, uh, and that was something that the wording just really kind of stuck with me at the moment mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And uh, that's something that I've kind of like hung on to and repeated like time and time again, either with talking with other people or even just talking to God. Just, I love that posture. It's, 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 Lord, what, what do you have for me? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the idea of like, what do you want to say to me? Opening yourself to receive. And uh, I think that's really what I've taken from that.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I'm glad that you, that you liked that. That's just been a phrase that has been really helpful for me. Um, when I practice silence and solitude, I, I like to have a phrase that I say to kind of like draw my mind back in when it starts to wander too much. Um, and I tried a couple different phrases. I know today, um, in the college service, we talked about using the phrase here I am, um, which is one that I tried, um, or like just be still or things like that. But I like um, God, what do you have for me? Because it takes the focus like off of myself and like directs it back towards God, um, which I think has been really helpful for me.
0: All right, so what are what are some obstacles that you guys have run into with solid silence and solitude? Are there any things that any questions that have kind of you know stuck in your head or Um, things that you've had to figure out along the way?
2: I think just for me, I've had a lot of kind of like practical things that I've tried to tweak to make things better. Um, So when I first started trying to practice silence and solitude, I tried to do it like very first thing when I woke up. which I think in theory is a really nice idea. But for me, that was just really difficult because I was still really sleepy when I first woke up. um, And I did fall back asleep a couple of times. And so now usually when I do it, I will like go for a run in the morning. And then when I get back from my run, I'll like sit down um, and read scripture and then have my prayer time with God. And then I'll do my silence and solitude. Um, And I like having it at the end after I read and pray too, because I feel like then my mind is like freer of distractions and I've already like spoken to God. And now it's like my turn to like sit back and see what he has for me. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: I think for me, and it's something that I've touched on is the biggest obstacle I face is being distracted. Like even if I am, Mm -hmm. even if I am in solitude, even even if my apartment's totally quiet, it's hard for me to silence that internal noise that can sometimes just be a constant factor. Um, and it's something, another challenge I've, that I've run into is uh, it can be hard to figure out a way to format South and solitude. What's the right way, quote unquote, to do this. Um, and for me, it's been a source of encouragement to realize that there is no one right way, but there are some, uh, some time tested, tried and true ways to do this and I kind of draw as an encouragement that, you know, I'm not the first person to ever try silence and solitude, and I'm not the first person to struggle with it. Um, this has been an ancient practice of the church ever since, you know, the de- ever since Jesus did it. Um, it's been a staple in the spiritual lives of many great, great Christians. Um, Thomas Aquinas, who wrote the Summa Theologica, um, while meditating, he was said to levitate at certain points, you know, take it or leave it but it's it, awesome well she
0: had that on camera but he yeah, definitely it, did, it not. It did not <laughs> <yeah>.
1: <laughs> but um and as far as like finding ways to uh practice thoughts of solitude that have been tried and true and time tested um i've recently something that i recently picked up and incorporated into my own time of, of solitude is a practice of the And the hesychus were a group of Greek Orthodox monks in the 7th and 8th century who developed the Jesus Prayer, where it's sitting in silence with your eyes closed, um, focusing and controlling your breathing, um, contemplating God, and saying these words over and over again, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And it's repeating that over and over again as you control your breathing, and I found that to be really helpful and a great source of encouragement.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really good. Uh, so just, it's kind of a prayer that you pray over and over. Jesus, what is it? Jesus say it again. For it's us. Yeah.
1: Lord Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Yeah. Who is
0: God? Who are we? And, you know, and asking him to to come have grace on us despite who we are and let who he is Absolutely. time and time again, that's mm-hmm. really good. Um, you know, I think for me, one of the, the challenges is just figuring out how much processing versus listening to do. I think there's one school of thought that just, uh, that says, hey, whatever feelings or like shortcomings you're reminded of during this time, like push those aside and just focus on being and, you know, have nothing going on up there. Uh, but I've actually found it really helpful that when a feeling comes to the surface or uh, something I wish I would have done it differently to to actually uh, let that rise to the surface and kind of process it with God. And oftentimes uh, I've found a lot of great insider healing kind of on the other side because I, I kind of work through it in, in his care and in his uh, supervision. And so like just the other day I uh, was somewhere and you know, I had one of those conversations that you have that's just kind of like awkward and I feel like I should, should have said something different mm-hmm. than I said and just kind of clumsy. And mm-hmm. for some reason, silence and solitude later in the day, that comes to my mind. And, and I kind of think to myself like, okay, why is, why is this bothering me so much? And I have a chance to process through it and realize like, Uh, Okay, like, why do I care so much about this person's approval? And why is my fate in their hands? You know, and I kind of come back to being reminded of what God thinks about me and what's true, and uh, who I belong to and being just being confident in who I am. And so there's some really good sort of like outcomes that come from just processing some of the stuff we're feeling with God along the way. Um, and so, as we've said a couple times, there's no right way to do silence and solitude. You, you have to figure out what works for you. We will sort of attach the template we used uh, today to this episode or, or the other one, uh, just so that you can have something to start with. But you really do have to tweak it, isn't that right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to find uh, what, what works for you.
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, what's the what's as a final note here? What encouragement do you guys have just to those who may be thinking about? Uh, starting this practice, but they've done it a couple times. Maybe they, they feel stuck, not sure how to, to where to go from here. Uh, what encouragement or advice would you give?
2: Um, I think just to to press on and persevere, like Clay was saying earlier. Um, I know when I first started practicing, I thought it'd be really easy. It was like, oh, I'm a quiet person; like silence should be easy, um, <laughs> and that wasn't that wasn't true. Um, and so it might be hard or uncomfortable at first, um, but I think it's something that's really worthwhile. Um, it's something that Jesus did and that the church has practiced for a long time, like Clay was saying. Um, and so I would just encourage you to press on um, and persevere. But yes, we believe in you.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Keep it up. Don't get discouraged if you don't receive a vision or don't start <laughs> levitating after, <laughs> after your first try. <laughs> That's
0: right. But if you do levitate, we want to know about it. We so do. We do. That's awesome. Uh, Well, guys, I I hope this has been helpful to you in some way. I encourage you just to to jump in and uh, give us a try. It's going to take training, as we've been saying, but on the other side of training, there are benefits and results. And uh, the most important part of that is just a closeness with God that can really just enrich your life in every way. All right, this has been a great episode of the Light Bowl Factory, conversations centered on the church becoming the light of the world. I encourage you to share this episode with a friend, uh, give us a rating or a review, and once again, please let us know if you levitate. We'll be back next week for another episode. We will see you next time.